This is the Ultimate Advisor Podcast, the podcast for financial advisors who want to create a thriving, successful, and scalable practice. Each week, we'll uncover the ways that you can improve your referrals, your team, your marketing, and your business operations, helping you to level up your advising practice, bring in more assets, and create the advising practice that you've dreamed of. You'll be joined by our hosts, Brian Sweet, who is moving fast towards a billion dollars in assets under management. Brittany Anderson, the driving force for advisors looking to improve their operations and company culture. And Dre Redfern, who can help you systematize and automate your practice's marketing to effortlessly attract new clients. So, what do you say? Let's jump into another amazing episode of the Ultimate Advisor Podcast. Welcome back to the Ultimate Advisor Podcast. Brittany Anderson here today with somebody who is going to absolutely light you up and get you excited and motivated for the future. I have with me today, Brian Neal. Brian has been entertaining and educating audiences for more than 30 years. As a veteran sales coach, keynote speaker, and a Super Bowl official in the NFL, Brian understands the formula for elite performance and masterfully weaves stories from the football field with inspiring, actionable content. Whether you know Brian is the founder of Blind Zebra and elite sales and client success coaching company based in Indianapolis, co-host of Sales Unscripted or the Advanced Selling Podcast, which is actually the longest running sales podcast in history, fun fact, or because you've yelled at NFL umpire number 92 on a Sunday afternoon, you know he's all about one thing, helping exceptional individuals and teams go pro. Brian, welcome to the show. Thanks, Brittany. That's a big, that's a big intro. I'm like extra nervous now. Like, what are we doing here? You got some shoes to fill, man. <laughs> I'm like a walking fun fact. My team coach teases me about that. They're like, you're like a walking fun fact. It's, it's, you know, some of the, the, what do they got? Two truths and a lie. That game, like I can win that game frequently. You're going to win good. over and over and over again. So great to be with you. Awesome. Well, Brian, I, I would love, you know, we have the bio version, but yeah. I, I would love to know, and, and for our audience members to hear, how did you get into this space? What really motivated you to be where you're at today? Yeah. Like a lot of people. And first of all, kudos to you, Britt, for doing this. You and I, I think backstory for your audience too. We met basically one time yeah. and you meet those people in your life. All of us have this where it's just an instant click. You're like, good at where is our, it's my people or our people. And we're like, we need to do a podcast done. I'm done. So bravo to what you do. Love what you do, how you yeah. serve your audience. And it's just great. So it's awesome to be here. Um, uh, let's see what it, it, like most people, you know, the, the, all the successes, you see the stuff, you see the rings, the plaques, you hear the accolades and all that stuff. You don't see the grind and the failure along the way. So the thing that got me to both of the things, so the, the sales coaching work and even the get to the point where, you know, uh, some average dude from Southern Indiana got the referee Super Bowl 56 between the Rams and the, and the, and the Bengals both have a similar root story. Um, growing up as a kid, I bounced around, um, for my dad's job a lot. Uh, schools. I was in six schools in seven years or so. And I was always a new kid. It was really quiet and shy. And um, my uh, um, grandpa, my parents got divorced when I was nine. And we moved from Indianapolis, Indiana to my hometown, my small hometown in Southern Indiana called Newburgh, Indiana on the river, uh, Ohio river on the border of Kentucky and uh, Indiana. And uh, my grandpa saw me up for little league football and he was, I didn't realize it. What he was trying to do was he was basically trying to get me to make some friends, you know, like push me out of my house a little bit and, and do that. So you get your little kid, a little boy football, 
I was real passive, quiet, shy. And you put those pads on, you feel like you can take on the world. And then you go out there to practice and they're like, knock the hell out of that other kid. You didn't like, that's great. Do it again. And I was like, wow, this is weird. And so what happened then is I started to get these accolades, I had this outlet emotionally for my parents splitting up that I didn't have anywhere else. And I started to get very, um, father figurely, um, um, guidance and leadership from my football coaches. My dad, I saw every other weekend, um, but it just wasn't that daily, you know, hit of what I think all kids need a strong father figure in their life. And so my football coaches, be, football coaches became my mentors. They were a high performance oriented group, made us start to, I had to write goals on cards down when I, when I was a freshman in high school, we were, it was mandatory. We had to present them to our coaches one at a time, individual one-on-one -on -one meetings. I learned this when I was 14. So flash forward to, in high school, I was way too slow to play college football. My coach, he had these funny ways to say things. He used to say, Neil, you could run all day in a shoebox. I'm like, what is he saying? Is it run all day in a shoebox. But that was like a shoebox. Like it take me all day to get from one to the other. I was really slow. Anyway, he said, uh, I go, I want to stay in football. I love the connection to the, what I've got. What do I do? He's like, yeah, I can't play. Should I coach? He goes, don't coach. You're going to go into business. You should be a ref. You should get referees license. So I took a test when I was 18 years old. Uh, it was an open book, true, false test, open book, true, false, two hours to complete it. And I got an 83 out of hundred. That's how bad it is. That, that, you know what I mean? I'm like, what am I doing? But I, I loved it. Worked my first game in Bloomington, Indiana, JV junior varsity game, fell in love with it. Like, this is great. Ran around the field first time. Didn't know what I was doing and um, got in the car afterwards. And I'm like, that was awesome. And these guys that worked with me, like that guy sucked. He didn't know what he was doing, but I was hooked. And so I did what my coaches taught me. Took out a little note card after my first season, wrote all these goals down in this little note card. I was 19. Said, I want to ref the state championship in Indiana by the time I'm 31. I want to referee in the Big Ten by the time I'm 36. I want to be in the NFL at 41. I want to referee the Super Bowl at 50. I wrote that down on a note card when I was 19 years old. I had no idea how all that worked. I just knew what I wanted at the end. And I would always trust that if I commit things down in writing and dwell on them in my mind and think about them all the time, a lot of stuff comes true that way. That's what I was taught by my football coaches. And that's what happened. Then I went to work and da -da -da and, and moved up the ladder. Um, ironically, I got called into the Big Ten. I refereed the state championship when I was 30, so got that goal. And then I got called to the Big Ten when I was uh, 36, exactly what I had written down. And then I got called uh, on March 22nd, uh, 2014 at 11.48 a.m. Not that I remember this, but I remember it. I was on a call with some clients and uh, I had in the caller ID, you know, I had in my contacts, the NFL number, just in case they called me, you know, and I looked down, it was a, I was on a conference call with seven people and the NFL was beeping in, you know, it, it, like, I'm like, oh my gosh, instead of saying goodbye or, Hey Britt, I've got to go. I just hung up on my clients and answered the phone. And it was this guy, Dean Blandino, who was the vice president of officiating for the NFL. And he said, hey, we've been watching you in the Big Ten, and we'd like to invite you to come rough in the National Football League. I started crying, and that was it. A big, long deal all started from the kind of the pain of my parents splitting up and the advice of my football coaches. And then the same thing in the in the sales world. So I went out and worked at Procter & Gamble, beautiful, great company. Started, always wanted to be my own boss, entrepreneur. Started my own company when I was uh, 26 and was bankrupt bankrupt by 27 and a half. I lost all my money that I had made at P and G and then some, uh, real fast, just on a, on a, you know, chasing a bad idea for all the wrong reasons. And so then I was broke and I'm like, what do I do now? I'm broke, got nowhere to go, but up. And what did I love? I loved personal development and I knew sales. Those are the only two things. And that's how I landed into sales coaching that way. And it's been a bit of an upward trajectory ever since. So I'm a really lucky guy. I love all my job. Wow. You know, first of all, I can tell you are absolutely an entertainer by nature because I'm sitting bit. here going, I'm just going to be, I just want to <laughs> sit here and just listen. I'm just going to open this wide open. We're going to do this totally oh. different. Got a piano oh. downstairs if you want to bring it up. <laughs> I love it. So 
So, you know, one thing that I have to say is, and again, for our audience members listening in, um, this audience is primarily wealth advisors. Yes. And, you know, I always try to think about in all conversations. So Brian, I think back to when you and I did meet kind of on that one-time basis and how you said it just, there was connection and click and we're like, man, we got to have a deeper conversation for more people to hear about this. Yep. So one thing that was so interesting to me is that your approach to sales and how Mm -hmm. you teach people and how you engage team is something that I've never seen before. Mm. And and I want to give the caveat to say that this isn't knocking any system out there outside of what you do, but there's a lot of sales practices that are kind of standard run of the mill. Uh, (laughs) There hasn't been a lot of reinvention to it. I mean, I think back to my early days, I was in college and I was learning how to sell in jewelry. And a lot of those principles yeah, some of the foundations still apply, but the world has changed. Yes. So Brian, can you share for our advisor audience, like what are some of the things that you're seeing working really well in mm. your sales teaching that's just killing it, that's driving it home, that's helping people grow? 100%. What a great, great topic, great question. And the advisory world, so I'll go on a little like a rant in defense of all the advisors listening. Uh, world changes for sure. Your job gets tough. The job's tough. That's a tough job. It seems like everyone thinks it's like, oh, you just make all this money. It is so hard. It's such a grind. There's such a turnover early in the industry. Correct me if I'm wrong, what I know yeah. about it, right? It's yep. really hard. And you stick it out and you get paid to stick it out. I mean, you you do. You can make a really great life for yourself. Um, you're massively inhibited by your regulations and your regulatory boards. I get that. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. But man, there's so much knowledge that can be shared um, from advisors that people need especially young people. So I'm so happy, Britt, you're doing this podcast so that even, even though it's for advisors, it, you know, we, we need to learn to reach an audience in a different way. So that's just my little thing. I get really, especially I'm a big LinkedIn guy and you guys are, yeah. you know, ladies are so limited on LinkedIn, what you, what you can say and can't say from the regulations. Ugh, it just drives me crazy. Anyway, that's my rant. Um, what's working. Uh, I'm going to go two totally uh, ends of the spectrum here. Okay. I'm going to go the easy one first. Process, process, process. Discipline to process, discipline to process, discipline to process. And I'm talking sales process here. I'm not talking mechanical. Oh, when I transfer assets from one person, I've got to do these regulatory and felt these form. Not that process. I'm talking about the process of finding and acquiring a new family to advise. That's the process I'm talking about. And most people have some element of a process, but the problem we get into is that the process that they have is usually steps in a system. So we have, oh, in our initial fact-finding meeting, and then we do this uh, look under the hood, health financial health check, and then we do this other thing. I'm talking about the discipline underneath that, little bitty tiny things underneath that. Um I'll give you an easy example. Now, here's the warning for your audience. Some of these things I teach are, I call them, the, we have a duh factor in our work. So a lot of people see our tools and like, well, duh. The problem is if I audit you on the duh stuff, most people don't pass the audit. They know they're supposed to do these little tactical things, but they don't, or they do them 98% and not the extra. Um, Here's one very tactical for everybody. Um, Extreme calendar clarity. Extreme calendar clarity is a thing that most people don't operate in. What most people will do is they'll end meetings and they'll say, uh, hey, well, let me. I've got all your information. Uh, I've got everything I need. We're going to do the financial health check. So let me go through this. And then um, we'll get back to you here next week sometime and schedule our next sit down. That's not what we do. What we teach is we set that meeting while we're sitting there. Very tactical. Um, if we don't uh, have a date set, we teach a tool called calendar first, where instead of emailing people and saying, hey, Brittany, um, 
here's some times I'm available. Let me know an email and you email me back. Everybody hates email ping, hates it. Everybody hates it. It's a big waste of time. So what we do instead is employ a tool called calendar first, where instead of doing that, I just send you an invite. And with a three-point agenda, it's very precise. Our stuff is very precise. You send an invite with a three-point agenda. You'll see if you have a ghosted deal, you've got a family you've been working with and they've just kind of blown you off or got over the holidays and it slowed down. You just send them an invite with a three-point agenda. You'd be amazed. Six and a half out of 10 of those will accept that invite. Even you've been chasing them on email and text and everything else. Send them the calendar first and they literally accept it or offer a new time, you know, within receiving the invite. It's, it's wild. So process is the thing. Discipline is the path to freedom. People think discipline is restrictive. So you think, well, I'm like, um, like, uh, we do a thing and we, there's a eating plan called whole 30. So my wife and I do it every January. It's very, very restrictive in its core. What it does though, is it creates immense freedom because I don't need to think about what to eat. I asked two questions. Does it grow in the ground or does it have a mom? If it grows in the ground or has a mom, I can eat it. Period. End of story. I'm free. I don't have to worry about, I don't have to read labels or anything. And so think about your advisors, those of you listening here, think about how much discipline you have to process and to what depth do you have the discipline. And the difference, I say like NFL stuff, the difference between people say, what's the difference between college, Big Ten, SEC, and the National Football League? It's that 1% on the discipline to the process. It's the little quick step. It's the it's the receiver in practice that drops one pass when nobody else drops in. That person gets cut. That's like NFL. We talked about in the intro, the pro stuff. That's what it is. And I'd love for your advisors that are listening to this to think, what does pro mean to me? And how do I need to amp my discipline up in the details to get there? That is working for sure. Mm -hmm. Can I go to the other end of the spectrum? Let's go to the other end of the spectrum. Yeah. The other end of the spectrum is head, heart, and soul. This is the woo part. This is the real engine. This is the stuff that lines us up in here. Most people don't operate in sales or in financial advising for how they sell and go to market with a set of guiding principles. They have moral things like, oh, I'm like everybody has integrity in theirs, right? All for, you know, or integrity, you know, or honest. Like who isn't? So it's kind of big. I hope every financial advice, I know they're not all, but the vast majority are, but you don't need to say that. I hope you don't need to say that. You know, deeper than that are some things that we have 10 guiding principles. We teach all of our clients. I'll give you a couple of them here that I, I think will resonate with your audience. I'll give you the, first, the, the big three. I call them the, the, the uh, this is the, like the, the Trinity, the Holy Trinity of the head, heart, soul, um, abundance, detachment, and intention. Abundance, detachment, and intention. Abundance, detachment, and intention. If I operate my sales strategy and all those sales processes that I'm disciplined to, if I operate those with this underlying foundation of a, an abundant mentality in my market, that I know there's a, a lot of people that need my help and always will be and always have been, and I am have a healthy sense of detachment from outcomes. Some people are going to say, yes, move their assets to me. Some are not. Some are going to leave me. That's part of the natural breathing of the world. And then my intention is always clean. I'm always after the good of my client, even if it doesn't include me. And I think that's a really good thing. I think sometimes our intention, so if I'm an advisor, you come to me, you're like, okay, Brian's got a nice little business, probably got some assets, a couple of nickels to rub together, kind of client I would want, that's good. But if that intention comes to me, if, my, if your energy, if I feel you trying to pull me in, I might resist that. You might look at my stuff. The best thing I think you could do as an advisor is look at my stuff and go, you're in great shape, dude. You got some great choices here. I don't think I could offer you anything else unless your advisor, you know, screws something up or something changes. I'd stay put. I would tell everyone in the earth about it, everybody. I'm like, you gotta talk to these people. They're awesome. I'm not using them because I'm good, but they told me I was good. They're so great to deal with. The experience was wonderful versus, well, you try to push some, you know, big insurance policy and take half my assets and put it in this thing that I'm like, I don't need that. I'm too young for that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I don't know the business really well, so I'm probably screwing that up. But No, yeah. you're, you're actually hitting the nail on the head. And, you know, one thing we talk about a lot on this podcast and in, in all of our coaching 
coaching programs too, with advisors is that you have to lead with value first. Yes. And when we're pushing and I mean, you said it so perfectly that if you can feel that energy, you know, it, it, it becomes very obvious what a person's intentions are. Uh, I actually had a conversation, uh, Brian and I, other Brian, Brian Sweet, he's <laughs> yes. another one of the founders of Ultimate yes. Advisor Coaching. We were in a conversation the other day about energy. And this is actually kind of funny. And I promise there's a point to this. I love it. We were talking about how there's like different points in the world that are known for having like exponential energy. So there's like this rock in a park on the East Coast. And there's some place over in the UK and there's a place in Mexico and they say like energy is abundant there. And, you know, Brian asked me, he said, well, do you believe in that stuff? And I said, yes. And here's why I believe in energy because think about it when you are in a conversation and you are lit up and you are so excited, like your body can feel it, right? Like you can feel that surge. Uh, when somebody comes to you and their intentions are not pure, you can feel that. Uh, you know, I'll speak for myself as a woman. If I am walking in a dark street and I come across an alley and I'm traveling on business or something, walking home from dinner at night, and I started to get an, an uneasy feeling, that's energy. So all these things, when we're talking about energy, that's so relevant. And I think that when it comes to sales, that the person on the receiving end of it can absolutely feel, are you just trying to meet a quota or are you trying to actually serve and help them? So Brian, I think just with all that being said, and you kind of going to these two ends of the spectrum, I want to pull back into this notion of what it means to be a pro, right? Mm -hmm. So you're kind of, you're setting the stage here and you're saying like this holy trinity and how you lead and how you show up and the actions you take and, and all these things. One thing we hear a lot in the advisor world is that it can be really hard to decide, like, how do you even start your visioning process? Because there's so <laughs> many different options out there. You know, there's there's the EOS model, which I know you're yes. super familiar with. There's yes. tools with strategic coach, which you're very familiar with. There yes. are a million different systems. There's vivid vision. There's all these different things. <laughs> so how the heck do you start? And, and what's a simple simplified process that you could lay out for somebody to set those intentions and make sure they're covering all bases. Bravo question. And I want to go back just because I loved, and if you're listening to this, go back to what Brittany said, your clients can feel your intention. They can, you have that you can go, I'm a nerd with this stuff. I'm a quantum physics guy. You can go, this is science stuff. It's you can prove that there's energy that's going on at a quantum level for all of us. It's proven it's like science stuff. Um, I'm so glad you said that because yeah. you feel it, don't you? You just feel it. Yeah. There's a book called The Gift of Fear, by the way, that talks about this. The Gift mm. of Fear. Um, just what you said. You just feel it. Intuition, right? It's there. So remember and think of the energy you're emoting to, to others. Okay, let's go down to how to pick the thing. Um, when people get stuck, if you're listening to this and like Brittany said, which one, what do I pick? I actually have people start the on the other end of that. Sometimes it's easier to pick what won't work for me mm -hmm. and start to, to start to narrow the list down. Too often people like look at things and they want to make a balanced scorecard and let's do some criteria and plus minus stuff. That's okay. Oftentimes to make it easier for you to narrow the field is to go, you know what? That's just not blind zebra sales operating system. Just not my thing. You know, strategic coach is not my thing. EOS, okay, I'm going to put, I'm going to evaluate it against some other things. So try to strike things first to narrow the field so you have a, a smaller pool. That's the first thing I always tell people. And people say, like, they're going to switch jobs. Like, I'm like, what do you, everyone says, what do you want to do? I, I start with, what do you not want to do? It's easier to answer. Well, I definitely don't want to do this. I'm not going to travel. I'm not, I don't want straight commission. That's easier to say what I don't want than what I do want. And it narrows. So that's the first bit there. Um, then I'm a, I'm a huge fan 
of so this comes from football. We have a we have a phrase in football. I think will resonate with the group. It's called "be wrong strong." Be wrong strong. Okay. Be wrong strong means if I see a foul and I'm going to make some decision on the football field, right? And it, you know, hopefully it's not. Are you a Vikings person? I don't even know. What, are you, I, don't I don't know. even want to talk about the Vikings. Okay, let's just skate past <laughs> Sorry. that. My bad. That's on me. I should have known better. I know <laughs> that time of year. And I throw, I see a, a holding foul and I throw on boot. There's no doubt when I throw my flag, what I've got, I'll turn on my referee. I'll give a preliminary signal holding 72 offense. I may go watch that film back and it's the worst call in the history of the national football league. But you know what? When I called it, everybody knew that I had what I had. What I don't do is sit there and like, Oh, did he hold him? I mean, he kind of grabbed him a little bit. Maybe I should possibly drop my flag. That's not what I do. And so as you're doing your vetting, what do you not want? Start there. Next, I do like criteria. I like balanced scorecards for myself of things that are meaningful to me. And then I balance those out. And then I pick one. Once I pick one, I'm in. I'm an all-in guy. If you go strategic coach, go strategic coach. Now, I'm not saying that if you go strategic coach, you can't learn something from Blaine Zebra. You know, you can learn other things. Just make sure that you're grounded in something. I think that's really important to do. This is your anchor. And then the other things go around the anchor. What you don't do is dabble in all. I'm not a fan. I know people say this, you know. Oh, so get you know, get your pebble, get your rock from each little thing, and then you got like a big bag of rocks. So I'm like, eh, I don't know about that. You know what I mean? I'd rather say this is my thing, and I can eh, tweak it. But if it doesn't align, doesn't 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 not in there. So mm -hmm. that's my take on that. And I, I I'm so glad that you went that direction because, and I can speak from my own like personal experience too. And I know I can speak on behalf of. Um, you know, I think about a few of our advisors in our last mastermind session last month, um, mm. we were talking about this and for me, uh, squirrely entrepreneurial brain, I <laughs> yeah. love new ideas. I love new people yeah. and I get so excited, you know. right. And it's easy to get that way, 100%. Uh, but I've gone through a practice of sloughing off. Yes. So I have actually come out of programs that I'm like, you know what? They're great. And I love the people that do it. And it's brilliant information, but is it really moving me towards that bigger vision that I have for my future? Probably not. It's probably more of a distraction. That's so good. I think that sloughing and that deciding what you don't want before you can go all in on what you do want is such yes. a brilliant advice and such brilliant, yes. you know, practical, um, tactical things that people can take with them right now. Yes. So Brian, you said something earlier and you were talking about how, you know, you had your first business at 26 and at 27 and a half, you were bankrupt and all you yep. had is from the ground up to start. Right. Yep. So I would imagine that <laughs> over the course of your career, you maybe had a few more peaks and valleys over <laughs> Time, just a couple, just a right? couple, maybe like yes. one or two, just a couple. So I would love to hear, you know, how do you get yourself out of kind of the funk? How do you get mm. yourself through the tough times? You know, you mentioned how, you know, in the NFL, it's that person who doesn't make that drop. That's who gets pulled forward. So how yep. do you stay mentally strong? How do you move forward during those times that are real, real tough? Yeah, that's a great, great question. Uh, full of, full of valleys. Full of peaks, full of valleys, without question. They just, it's part of the, the life. Like I said, the natural breathing. Um, and I made some, you know, have some massive valleys. I split my family up. It's horrible. My son's sitting right behind the, you know, the camera here. It's, it made cause a lot of pain in a lot of people's lives. So I had to take inventory of that and what happened and then found a, a path and a way to live life a different way. And then I do that every day to try to make it better. Um, <clears throat> but I found in that um, one of the people in my uh, support group had a little phrase. So in America, we, you know, we're taught uh, when you get knocked down, get up. When you get knocked down, you get up, you fight back. He said, 
uh, maybe we should, when we get knocked down, stay down for a minute and just feel the pain. And it was really hard for me to do because I love to get out of the pain, climb out of it. Let's get the good and positive. And everything's good and okay. And that's kind of how I was wired. And that's what got me into some, some hot water and some trouble and things like that. I'm like, no, sometimes I just have to sit here in the crap if you're explicit rated, but you get it right. It's like, you just have to sit here in it and it sucks and it does. And it's okay to sit there and just feel that stuff. And you eventually start to move through that. But I think sometimes we try to mask that with all sorts of things with food, booze, money, and, and drugs and stuff like gambling, whatever else. And then we try to you know, numb that and move. And you got to learn to be okay in the pain a little bit, no matter how deep I give you a heavy example. There's some lighter ones, but no matter what, I'm like, okay, this sucks. Lose a huge client. My number one asset based, you know, I got hundred million assets under management and my $20 million asset client leaves. Ugh, huge hit. Oh, it's awful. It's terrible. Sit here for a minute. Okay. That sucks. Well, it just sucks. It feels feel rejected. Uh, feel like I'm not good enough. Maybe I don't belong in that, that uh, nine figure club and just live in that stuff for a moment before you start to work your way out of it. Mm -hmm. I think that's the first thing. Um, and then I'm a little anti, not anti I'm, I'm, uh, so Tony Robbins, a lot of people know Tony Robbins, right? The big motivational guy walk on hot coals. And he has this concept called massive action, take massive action towards your goal. I'm a fan of taking itty bitty, tiny action in this case. I don't think massive action can serve us really well, um, as well as small steps can. Uh, the little cheeky thing I always say, people talk about their health. I got to start working out. I'm like, you know what? First step, put your shoes on. Just put your running shoes on and sit there on the couch with a bag of Cheetos or Doritos or whatever. Watch TV. Just have your running shoes on. And then at some point, just stand up and walk into the kitchen and just stand up. I think the little steps are the better, the best antidote for that valley to feel it first and then take the little step out like, okay, screw this. The $20 million client left. I'm going to go find four more. Screw them. That's too much, man. Slow down, right? Just just work your way out of it slowly. And then I think you have a better foundation. You're on better ground when you do that because you're doing it for the right reason. So that's my advice on that. Mm. Feel it for a minute and then slow step out of it. You know, I think there's there's so much to be said there too. And I think about actually uh, a friend of ours and the founder of Genius Network, a brilliant mastermind for entrepreneurs, Joe Polish. So mm -hmm. he has said multiple times during our times together in those mastermind meetings that, um, you know, the most accepted form of addiction is workaholism. Totally. And <laughs> I think that what you just laid out there is an exact representation because you kind of went through this gamut of, Good. you know, people kind of cover the pain, right? So you just go all in and whatever your vice is, well, for a lot of high achievers, it's real easy to consume yourself in your work. And I think about, you know, the ability to control your environment. So a lot of times mm -hmm. at work, when you're the boss, you get to control, you're, you're, you're helping I'll say, you tell people what to do. Like you're guiding <laughs> people, right. you're, you're making the decisions, you're the ultimate decision maker. And then at home, sometimes you're the garbage woman or the garbage man <laughs> and you don't have as much decision. And so it's really easy to throw yourself into that. So I think that you, you just kind of encapsulated so beautifully, like slow down. Uh, I, I see so much and, and I'm not going to squirrel on this, I promise, but I got to point it out it. is there's so much out there. And I believe this is toxic where people are like, leave your nine to five, rip the bandaid yes. off get out of there. And it's like, well, let's have a plan. <laughs> right. Let's make sure your family's taken care of. And let's yes. make sure that you actually have something to go to. Same yes. thing with advisors serving clients that are going into retirement. You know, a lot of our audience members, that's the niche because that's where the money is. You know, they've yep. accumulated up to a point and you don't often see a very successful retirement 
when somebody just rips the bandaid off with no plan, I mean, what happens is, is people end up, you know, they regress, right? Like yes. they end up bored, they end up tired, their health declines, and then there are mortality rates. And I mean, I could yep. go down this whole rabbit hole, but you know, I think that pause, that intentionality and, you know, just really, you know, making sure that you give yourself a moment to kind of come back to the top. I think that's just beautiful advice. It's fantastic. Yes. And I could see how it directly applies both of the advisors listening here, but also to their clients because yeah. they're, they're playing, they're playing counselor a lot as a financial advisor, especially later in life, yeah. you know, people and, and couples and things like that. They're, they're, they're really a bit of a, like a therapist as much as they are a financial advisor yeah. and to have the tools and the ideas to say, let's just hang on a second. Like you said, let's just slow down and um, take our time here versus like cut the cord. Yeah. You know, so I, I do want to go the direction too, because one of the things that pulled me into the notion of blind zebra, I was actually on a call with another advisor friend, uh, advisor team member friend. And yes. they're like, you got to check this out, Bernie. Like, this is <laughs> awesome stuff. And he said, he, literally, he said, he's like, I read through it and I was immediately pissed. And I'm like, why? And he's like, I was pissed because I didn't think of it first. <laughs> <laughs> That's the biggest he's compliment like, you can get, isn't it? Right. He's like, it just seems so obvious. And one of the biggest struggles in the advisor world that we hear consistently is this whole notion of, you know, what are the advisor metrics? So you kind of talked, Brian, mm -hmm. about a scorecard. Yep. Um, you talked a little bit about, you know, how that's important, but it's also, you know, the Holy Trinity and making sure you're aligned. So yep. could you give me just based on like the blind zebra principles, yeah. a couple things that you would say, okay, advisor who is looking to grow through a ceiling of complexity yes. is looking to just kill it at this next level. What's maybe like one or two things that they could do to immediately sharpen their scorecard? Bravo on that. Good question. Oh, this is, where you, this is where you get stuck on the question. Like, what would you do, Brittany? <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> yes. Go back to the host. Like, oh, that's a good question. Why don't you, you like answer that. first? I you do. It's a really first. good. Just give me a little pause to think. So let me tell you what, what's coming to my mind. Uh, I always start in the guiding principle. That's one thing. I always start in the guide. I get my head, heart, and soul right before I go to the action or the language. So the first thing I get, I get a real healthy sense and dose of abundance and detachment together first because I want to get through the ceiling. That's my, I'm moving through that. And so what do I have to do? I have to see the, the abundant above the ceiling, the abundance above the ceiling through the clouds. I also though have to look down and say, I've got some things weighing me down that I have to let go of. That's the detachment. Element. So a very tactical thing. This is so easy to prescribe advice, especially when it's not my industry, but we do this for our sales clients that aren't advisors also. So it, it foots. Um, we do a uh, once a month funnel cleanse. It happens on the last Thursday of every month in the afternoon. That's all on purpose. Um, for my B2B sales clients, what we do is we cleanse our open sales funnel of dead or stale deals, things that are just slogging along and not getting any, any action. We just send them a really polite email, say, Hey, Brittany, you know, had a trouble getting connected here. I'm assuming you got bigger fish to fry. I'm going to cut it loose for now. I'll stay in touch down the road and wish you lots of success. Love Brian. And then I go to my, my CRM, my Salesforce or my HubSpot or whatever. I go close, lost Brittany, and it's out of my life. Okay. You're not out of my life, but it, the deal is, yep. and I, it can always restart if it needs to restart, but it's gone, but it needs to be physically gone, closed, lost here. Be wrong, strong, closed, lost, very definitive. Now like, well, you know, Brittany can still come around. I'll still keep in touch with her. That's that, that anchors you down under your ceiling. I have to jettison. I have to let those things go to release weight so I can go up. Here's the part that's hard for financial advisors. I think all of you, all of you have a group of clients that if they left, you would secretly be happy because they've got a low asset value. They take ton of your time. They don't take your advice. But for whatever reason, you're attached to them 
could be your brother, sister-in-law, could be a family member, could be someone you grew up with. And you're like, oh my gosh, if they left, you know, yet you still hang on to them. You still hang on to them. Let's check our intention there. Let's be real, right? It might be time to go. And I don't like the, I hear this a lot and I hear it in the financial advisory space somewhat. Like I fired a client. I fired my clients. I don't, that doesn't feel good to me. Who wants to be fired? It's bad intention. Um, what I like to do though, is help people move to a better place for them and for us. And we used to match and fit up and now we don't anymore. And it's not a bad, no one's right and wrong. It's just, we're going to a place and they're going to a place and the places we're going now don't fit anymore. They used to fit and now they don't. No one's fault, no problem. So we do a little exit plan for them to move them to a different advisor, maybe a peer, maybe a junior, maybe someone getting whatever. And I start to, I start to trim the bottom. I, there's a book called Necessary Endings, Necessary Endings by Henry Cloud. It's a really great book. Henry Cloud is a um, combo um, uh, kind of self-help business Christian author all weaved into one. You kind of can't tell any of the above until you like read into it. Necessary Endings is what it says. Everything in life ends, everything. And we see sometimes endings as bad. Oh, I lost a client. I lost a family. He looks that as good. He calls that in his book, pruning. So I would give the advice to your listeners that you need to systematically, at least once a month, prune your portfolio. Someone is going to roll, you know, for whatever reason. It could be someone with a high AUM number or a high asset number, portfolio number, and they're just a pain in the tail. You're like, I just can't, I don't want to deal with them anymore. Because they're weighing you down. You're taking your time. Space, this is a physics. Space gets filled. I promise you, all of you listening, if you create space in your client portfolio, it will get filled. I promise you it will. And it won't if it don't. It won't if it don't. That was on purpose. Southern Indiana talk. Mm. It won't if it don't. So it rhymes. Okay. So that to me, the greatest thing I think financial advisors could do that would help them break through the ceiling is to cut some things loose and prune their portfolio for really good reasons and trust in the abundance of the market that new, better things will come their way. I think that is absolutely brilliant and so gold. And I can't tell you how many times the conversations come up about <laughs> that's kind of on them and that's 100%. not on you anymore. So 100%. I think you're dead on. So that's great. I, I'm I'm betting, Brian, that our advisors tuning in right now are going, I need to learn more about what this guy does <laughs> and how he serves. So before I ask my last couple questions, can you yeah. share how can people reach you, get a hold of you, follow you, all of that good stuff? Absolutely. So um my I give up my personal email on purpose. Uh it's Brian with a Y, B-R-Y-A-N at blind dash. You have to put the dash in there. Blind, B-L-I-N-D dash zebra.com. You can shoot me an email if you ever want to talk or learn more. Someone, either me or my team will get with you for sure. Um, I'm a junkie on LinkedIn. I'm all over LinkedIn all the time. So by all means, please follow me and say hi. If you do, if you do send a request, put a little note in there that you heard me on the Brittany Anderson show. What is the show called by the way? What's your the ultimate advisor the podcast? Ultimate advisor podcast. I need <laughs> Sorry, I forgot that. In the spirit of being transparent, I'm like, yeah. But uh, so if you listen to the Ultimate Advisor Podcast, make sure I heard you talking to Brittany. Do that too. And then um, you can go to Brianneal.com, B-R-Y-A-N-N-E-A-L-E. That's where I do my keynote speaking stuff. And then blind-zebra.com is the website where we have the, I'll plug our, our newest, uh, we have the Blind Zebra Sales Operating System is the thing we're bringing to the world now. And it is all the tools that I'm talking about in really quick notion here in depth, uh, instructionally designed, step-by-step instructions, tells you how to do sales so that those visions come come clean. So I'd love to talk to anyone who's listening and uh, by all means, tell uh, tell me that you, you heard about me through here. So then we're instant friends because I know no one hanging out listening to Brittany is going to be bad energy. I know that, right? All right, people, don't deal. let me down here. <laughs> exactly, right? Oh, shoot, Brittany, you know, hey, can you can you delete our episode? You're getting a lot of traffic here that I'm not bad energy traffic. There's really negative <laughs> right. people here reaching out. I think not. 
Oh, I love it. Um, so I guess, Brian, I have really yep. two last questions for All you. Right. Number one is, you know, what are you excited about looking forward? And this can be wide open, personal, professional. Oh, so good. Um, this is good. So I'll go, I'll go into therapy mode. So you're my therapist and I'm being your patient. Um, I am looking forward to learning because I have the affliction of the addiction of work and I've gotten some messages. I had a mentor for the last couple of years who told me, you got to slow down, dude. You run hard. I run hard at work. I work the weekends in the NFL. It's a hard job, rough in NFL. I do keynote speaking. I got five kids. You know, I'm running hard. I love it. I love it. And so I am looking forward to in 2024, finding my way into a bit more of a calm presence to learn to pull back a little bit. I just literally just started that. I just got some feedback from one of my good friends in my refereeing career. He's like, dude, you run hard. You need to slow down. You know, mm -hmm. I'm like, that's such good. I got to listen to that. So I'm really looking forward to that. I don't know where it's going to take me. I literally started yeah. like yesterday. <laughs> so. You know, as, as a fellow hard runner, um, <laughs> right. it's, it can be like what you just stated there. There's, there's so much or so many people that I know are tuning into this that could absolutely be served by doing something similar. Yes. You know, what's the, the whole, I'm going to botch the actual quote, but Warren Buffett has the whole notion of, you know, the most successful people ultimately say no to everything right? and exactly, they hone right. in on the things that are really yeah. going to move the needle for their lives and that are totally aligned value-wise. So yes. I really respect that. And that, that being your choice for 2024. Awesome. That's my uh, So my last question is, yeah. Brian, is there anything that I did not ask you that I should have? I love that question. I asked that question too, and I'm getting it asked of me. Um, there was something in the, um, I don't know if it was in the prep or we were talking about that. I was wondering, we're going to talk about this. Um, I'm always interested in things that people might regret or that they're shameful of, or things from their past, you know, or things that people wouldn't know about them. You know what I mean? Kind of because we have this like persona externally and people judge that. And then we have what's really going on inside of us that sometimes doesn't match. Sometimes people call that imposter syndrome. Yeah. That's always an interesting thing to examine with people. Well, now you, you got to share. Like, what's your thing? Totally. What's your thing? You got so uh, I've got kind of, I've got two that live side by side. Um, the first is that I don't feel likable or lovable to the world. And I couldn't be more opposite in terms of what I get from the world, but there's something inside of me still from my parental upbringing that still feels like, and it's not that I'm not good enough thing that I know a lot of people say, you, you know, but I'm good enough. And that's not my thing. It's more about like, you know, are they really enjoying, you know, is it, is, am I able to be loved and accept love from others, from humans in any way, shape or form, friendship, you know, romantic, um, kids, anything like that. Uh, that's the first thing. Um, the second thing is, and this is, I think you're going to, you're going to, what? I think I'm a lazy human being. I swear on a stack of Bibles. I think I'm lazy. I really do. I'm like, I'm just like, I could sit here for days on a couch and watch TV and stuff like that. And I go, so I don't know where that comes from, but that's the other thing that I, I internally, I feel like I'm lazy and people follow me around. Like, how do you do this? I'm like, I don't know. This is not, you know, I feel like I'm like, you know, you're like, I'm diverting my poison 100%, basically. a little bit. It's crazy. Isn't it? Isn't that not? Those are mine. Oh my gosh. You know, I, I, I love that. And <laughs> here's a brilliant takeaway actually out yes. of what you just shared for our listeners. Think about the level of courage and transparency transparency that it takes <laughs> to show up on a podcast that is listened to nationwide and be like, I intrinsically think I'm lazy and I don't really know that I'm lovable or likable. Totally. Like, it's the real oh deal. Oh my gosh. And it's it, the real deal. And here's the thing that I, I honestly truly believe in the work that we do 
And what you just did there to kind of help close this out is that the more we can show up in a vulnerable space and a vulnerable state, the more transparent that we can be, my belief is that it opens up the groundwork for people to share things with you that they normally would not share. So you get into a situation where you're in advisor mode and you're talking the numbers and the markets and even the goals, right? Like the, because People use the excuse, like I talk to my clients about goals and it's like, well, but how much do you actually open up space for them to truly be transparent and share like their deepest desires with you? Yes. That's where people make momentum. And my belief is that by being vulnerable and transparent, just like you did there at the end, Brian, that's really where the magic lies. So I thank you or taking it that direction. That was awesome. You're awesome too. Thank you. And I think for financial advisors, the ones that can do what you just said, they, people will throw money at them. I'm ser- they don't need to go through charts and you know th- this and returns. They don't need to do that. I need to hear how you grew up with money and what it means to you and what you're scared of and what you're embarrassed by and shameful of. And I'm going to tell you mine first. They will throw money at you. I'm telling you they will. It's great, Brett. Really good. Well, Brian, thank you sincerely for being on the show today, for pouring your heart and soul out and the value that you bring to help people not just grow in their sales, but really grow as humans. I'm grateful for that. hundred percent. Same for you. Love what you're doing. Bravo. I'm a huge podcast fan. So kudos to you for doing this and all your people for listening. So that rounds out today's episode of the ultimate advisor podcast. We're going to catch you right back here next week. Hey there, Brittany Anderson here. If you are loving what you're hearing on our Ultimate Advisor podcast, don't keep us a secret. Share us with other advisors that you think would benefit from the messages that you are hearing. The easiest way to do that is to simply send them to ultimateadvisorpodcast.com. And if you want to learn a few other ways that we could potentially serve you as an advisor, go check out ultimateadvisormastermind.com. As always, we are so happy to have you here with us as part of the Ultimate Advisor community, and we look forward to a continued relationship.